Welcome to another uh, seafaring episode of Seafaring Seishura, the Music Scores podcast. And I say that because we are going to talk about piracy. And we are not going to be talking about <laughs> oh we're not going to be talking about Ale Storm or Pirate Metal or anything like that. We're going to be talking <sighs> about um, a book that I've had for a while and uh, I think I read a decent chunk of it when I first bought it you know, soon after it came out, but I never actually finished it. I bought it for my thesis, which was about streaming and looking at um, different um, different platforms and how it related to, you know, piracy and whatnot. It was a, it's been a while, but um, around that time, fortuitously, a book dropped called How Music Got Free by Stephen Whip, who, fun fact, was actually born in New Hampshire. So always, always like a good, uh, a good Grant Stater, um, yeah. But yeah. he, Shout yeah, <laughs> he, um, he wrote a really interesting book about, you know, I mean, it, it's kind of a, one of those books that has like the perfect title because it's well, n- n- not grammatically. But... Yeah, I mean, it's it's a little little clunky. Yeah, I, I, I mean, yeah. I, am, I, am I the only person like I I had it in my journal as how music became free, and then I had to go back and be like, wait, is that right? And how music got free, like it, it it makes sense when you think about it, but it also feels clunky. Yeah, no, but he, uh, I think it fits the the tone, uh, and I, I mean, I think it grabs your attention. It certainly grabbed my attention because I mean, yeah, what you imagine this book is about, you know, it's obviously deeper than that. Well, and then the the, the subtext, the, the subtitle, oh. a story of obsession and invention. Or the, the the version I have is uh it says the end of an industry, the turn of the century, and the patient zero of piracy, which sounds pretty badass. Um, Ooh. But basically, that I mean that's what this book is about. How did music get free? Because you know if if, if you're of a certain age, you might not remember. Uh, no, I'm not going to play that card. But you know, basically, <laughs> I mean there are many people who you know when I collect music, you know they they think it's it's quaint. It's cute, you know. Like, why don't you can just get all that music for free? Like, it's just it's become such a it's become such a part of life. Like, it's 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 really, you know, I feel like collecting CDs and vinyl has become so much more of like a, a hobby, and you know, in some ways, a little mm. bit of a niche hobby. Whereas, I mean, yeah, it, it it always has been, but that was also just how people listen to music. And yeah, he takes a really interesting path to you know you know kind of discuss how music got free uh bringing in you know going back to the kind of the invention of the mp3 talking about um you know kind of a a key uh label executive and his role um and then you know part portion i found really fascinating was the uh basically i mean the the patient zero piracy was a, a person you know this he he argues it was a guy who worked at a CD pressing plant, and basically, as as he says, was responsible for you know the huge swath of the illegal music that you have on your hard or he had in his hard drive, and a lot of people did at the kind of the the, mm. the Napster era and that kind of um, you know that kind of heyday of piracy. Um, 
Mm. So, I mean, I, I was interested to pick this back up, you know, as we've done our, our book club series. You know, I, I already had it on my shelf. Uh, and I'm I'm glad I recommended it, personally. I, I really... I mean, I, I flew through this because... I think obviously it's it's nonfiction, but just the way he wove through, or he wove together these different accounts, uh, the way that they flowed together, it, it almost had a novel feeling to me. Uh, yeah. It just it, like he's a really interesting storyteller. I, I think that he had a great um, conversational tone, and also I liked how he inserted himself into it. I think you know, we, we read the Radiohead book. I thought sometimes. He, that, that author inserted a little bit too much of himself into the story. But yeah. I thought, I, I mean, Stephen Wendt's account is the account of, uh, I mean, certainly I could relate to it. Uh, I mean, just the, just the yeah. idea of amassing all this music, even music that you don't particularly care for. Uh, I mean, that was, that was yeah. me. That was ironically. Yeah. I mean, even though it, we're probably like close to a decade sort of after his you know whole stint yeah. with music piracy but that was i mean i remember i would just download zip files from mediafire uh, i would just you know this is when i was it was peak you know my peak deathcore metalcore phase i would just uh like you know one of the things one of the the, the aspects of metal culture was just different people wearing uh you know, different band shirts and bands. And I would just like every, every, you know, this band's wearing, you know, white chapels wearing assault, the wound shirt. I got, you know, like in that, just amassing a massive amount of music. And it just, it was interesting to read that account because it's both why I started pirating and why I stopped. Cause I think, and I mean, he touched on this a little, you know, it, it what was it like the ABBA to ZZ top, you know, line, yeah. like, but he didn't even like all the music he was downloading. And to me, I don't know if it was necessarily, I didn't like what I was downloading. It just cheapens it, you know. It just it's it's not yeah. it's not I mean, he, valuable. Yeah, he brings up just a great point in sort of like the introduction that like you know he didn't regardless of even liking it he just didn't even listen to mm. it like it was just yep. like a thing, like you know it, it's it's like I don't know like it, it's it's like the equivalent it's it's like the digital equivalent of having like um like one of those shelves that's like full of like anime figurines in a way mm-hmm. <laughs> like that that it's like you know it, it's it, it, it could be a decorative thing, but, you know, if it's just sitting on your hard drive, you know, you're not really looking at it even. Yeah, <laughs> so, exactly. It's, yeah, and it's, it's funny because that, that's kind of the same reason that I think I, I mean, I to be fair, I, I really didn't pirate uh, much when I was in high school. Um, I remember a lot of kids I knew were really into LimeWire because that was still going around yeah. at the time. Um, and I, I, I definitely downloaded a few mp3s but just i i really didn't get much um because i i think i just kind of took off from there in sort of a different direction um and really like i i mean probably the most illegal activity i did <laughs> like most prevalently then was more using i think like really early like illegal streaming so like playlist.com used to be a thing where like you could find anything and just stream it right online yeah um, you know, that, that was pretty much the closest, you know, I got a lot of the time, you know, I wasn't really one to just be like, oh yeah, I got like every album by, you know, this band or something like mm-hmm. that. Cause I, I think by that time I was starting to like buy physical media. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also just, I don't know. I, I, I definitely like, yeah, I, I, I really, I just don't think pirating really appealed to me. 
Um, and, and not even like in a like a I feel bad sort of way. <laughs> like it's just yeah, I, I don't know. It just didn't really speak to me a ton. Um, yeah. Yeah, and, and I think uh, I, you know, I guess if this makes sense. Uh, it appealed to me too much, which is the reason I, I stopped. It's just, it's kind of addictive to collect all the, because it's so easy to do. You know, I mean, it's it's the same yeah. logic behind why I collect CDs and vinyl, except it literally requires zero money other than obviously you know, your laptop or whatever. But uh, yeah, I just, after a while, I would just have, you know, so much space. And this is back when I had to, you know, play the game of like how much I could fit in my iPod. And this is before I got, you know, my brick of a classic you know, iPod classic, but, uh, <laughs> oh, man. yeah, I, 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 I miss, I kind of miss my iPod in a way. Yeah. I mean, I, I do too. Sometimes it's uh, just thinking back to that heyday. Um, but I, I think that, you know, the story he weaves is, is really compelling. Uh, you know, I, I actually, one of my big, biggest credit, because I, I think the, um, kind of the industry sections, I mean, I think that's just naturally compelling, uh, certainly, the the sections about uh, Del Glover w- was really, really. I thought that was, it almost it almost yeah. felt like a <laughs> like a not not narrative wise, but it kind of felt like like an Ocean's or like one of those like cape caper films. <laughs> yeah, where like <laughs> the, 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 there's a section specifically where he's talking about you know how do you get CDs out of out of the of a plant that's actively searching its employees. Yeah to prevent leaks and it's I, I i i actually i know exactly what you mean like you almost expect like that ocean 11 soundtrack yeah. to start playing like the jazz and they start you know doing like the whole blueprint 3d exactly. visual of like you know, exactly yeah. and it was you know obviously i think there's some you know inherent appeal there uh one of my biggest credits for this book is i really love his conversational style like he he, he wrote with authority but was also just had a really fun tone. And I think that came in most helpful in the whole, you know, the sections and particularly the, the beginning section about the create, like kind of the, the format wars of like, you know, the MP, you know, the MP2, like whatever, yeah. just because. Which was so fucky, by no, the way. No, but it, yeah, it was, like, it was fascinating, but I think he, um, you know, sometimes that was hard. Uh, like, you know, like the, uh, I mean, I think back to we read the um, every er, everything is noise, or the the the, the, uh, the, the rest, rest is noise, noise yeah. by Alex. Uh, sometimes yeah. you know I kind of got lost in the sauce, and it was I think he was doing the best he could, but there were moments where I I had to reread sections and be like I don't know if I get this, uh, but I thought yeah. Stephen Witt did a great like I I kind of got it right off the bat, and it, 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 when you think about it, this is it's not super simple stuff, <laughs> you know the the way that they were. Uh, they had to try to, um, you know, how they had to try to put music into, you know, a, a basically a square peg round hole, you know, something that, you know, sure, it, it um, you know, I guess in theory, it's something that people have been thinking about or that, you know, the people had, you know, theorized about at some point. Um, but it's kind of like how they mentioned streaming well before streaming was even a thing in terms of like the quotes he had in the book. It just, it's one of those things people just speak so loud, um, you know, kind of like old old science fiction theory, you know, theorizing what different technology we'll have now, but like the way that they were able to, it's still crazy. And I'm sure like they would even be, um, I'm not sure if they're, uh, 
um, yeah, I just, I, I don't know if they could have even predicted at the time what we would get to at this point beyond just like trying to get, you know, trying to get sound into an MP, you know, MP format, um, to now you can just access the whole, you know, volume of recorded music on your phone. Um, so just the way he mm -hmm. was able to tell that portion and, you know, the fact that I, I mean, I, I thought it was really, really clear, you know, really easy to understand. Um, that was a, that was really impressive. And I think that was the best example of, you know, just how, you know, good of a writer he is. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, no, is uh, I mean, it, if we can sort of tackle that, because I, I think the writing in it, what kind of caught me by surprise, I think for good and bad. I mean, I, I definitely, I definitely enjoyed how much more, um, casual it was compared to like Mil uh to you know greg milner's book uh you know Perf uh, perfecting sound forever uh whereas like you know like if it often felt like he was um sort of alternating between like a casual um type of you know style and then just like deluging you with information that often bordered on like kind of like archaic and esoteric uh wording you know um and just kind of like you know, philosophizing to, you know, until, to, to, until the cows come mm -hmm. home, you know, that, that sort of thing. Um, you know, so like, I, I, I definitely appreciate Wit's um, ability to just kind of keep it simple. Um, but I will say that I think there were some instances with that, like, I, I felt like some of the, like, there were some explanations of like how MP3 technology, how digital, you know, uh, digital recording works and things like that, that um, I would have liked to know more about and sort of the difference between, you know, an MP2 and MP3, you know, like he, he touches over it to a point, but there are like little details that I'm like, ooh, like it would have been cool to get that in here. Or, you know, um, I think that like now that I think about it, because you just brought up, you know, just sort of how um, I think it was Brandenburg, his um, mentor's mentor, uh, had this idea for streaming, you know, or I think it was his mentor originally, but, um, you know, there are actually like uh, a couple of other instances of people kind of, you know, foreshadowing streaming in a very strange way. Like there is, um, I can't remember the name of it, but uh, the idea was that you could call, uh, you could call a number and you would be able to hear a song. Basically. Oh, that was actually. I mean, I don't. I don't know specifically, but uh, they, it, it, it was on Fantano's. What's in your bag? It was. Uh, you uh, they might be giants, actually. Yeah. 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 Uh, so that was a big one, but I think uh, ISDN, which I, I, ISDN might actually be the same thing if I remember right. But I mean, um, that's kind of a service in itself that sort of did a similar thing. And Future Sound of London did a whole album off of that. Um, you know, it, it's. There, there, like there are a couple little like interesting tidbits that I think would have been cool to see that, but at, at the same time, it's it's a book that's about music piracy. It's not necessarily about streaming, uh, though the two are very inextricably linked. Um, you know, just just in terms of you know you're sort of bringing music you know to the internet and you're using internet for mass you know information distribution. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, the the writing was was good i i think at times like I, I don't know if you've ever sort of come across this but i so, sometimes like if i'm at a bookstore i will come into contact with like you know what what i call like 
popular nonfiction in that like it has, you know, kind of like a vague but interesting title and like sort of an abstract cover on it. And, you know, the the way it's written is kind of like feels um, like a almost like a dramatized version of events. Mm-hmm. Uh, and some, in some cases, like, feels almost light on real, like, information to us to an extent. Um, and, like, I, I feel like this book was kind of within that format, for better or worse. Um, you know, so it's, you know, as casual as it is, it sometimes suffers from that exact issue. Because, like, there were times that, like, some of the writing was just kind of poor kind of clunky like some language is kind of clunky sometimes that the attempts at humor uh mostly fell flat on their fa- faces <laughs> um you know but but, but i mean I, I give them credit for trying and like you know it's i i mean th- this is me being really really picky about it um frankly you know it's it's more just like you know after reading so many nonfiction books you know and just coming into contact i mean like you know alex ross you know, like you say, you know, it's it's very easy to get lost in those in sort of the way he writes. But at the same time, like you got to admit that he writes beautifully. Oh yeah, um, he does for sure. And I yeah. to- I totally get where you're coming from. I mean, personally, I yeah, you know, I enjoyed it just because I I kind of I like fiction writing, which you know, I'm not saying you you don't, but certainly from the perspective of what. I mean, this is a nonfiction book. This is, you know, yeah. obviously, it's not that nonfiction can't be fun, but, you know, it is ultimately supposed to be informational. That's kind of, you know, yeah. so I, I, get, I get where you're yeah, I, I'm, I, I'm in total agreement. I mean, yeah, it's, um, I mean, it just, there were sometimes it felt like the information sort of, it was almost like, almost like glossed over a little mm. bit in favor of being more of a casual read for people. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, at the same time, you, you got the main points. Because I mean, I, honestly, I I really liked reading this thing. I definitely I flew through it too, uh, just because it's it's probably like I think aside from um, deep listening, it's probably the shortest book we've read for a book club, mm-hmm. um, and I am thankful for that. <laughs> I, I don't know if I could do a, like one the size of Meet Me in the Bathroom again, um, but yeah, I, I you know there are a lot of thoughts. You know, sort of surrounding this whole book, I, I was wondering maybe we could just sort of. I, I thought it'd be cool to kind of split it up, just like the book sort of split its narratives. Um, you know, we sort of talk, you know, about uh, you know Del Glover and sort of overall, like you know, the, the scene and sort of that idea of like sort of the dark web uh, or like the early dark web when it relates to music piracy. Mm-hmm. Um, then you know, talk about. Doug Morris and sort of the corporate side of music streaming or uh, music piracy. And then also Brandon Berg and sort of his whole um, journey as well. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, Do you want to start from the, start from the top or? Yeah. I mean, I, I guess we might as well just start with, with Del Glover and, <laughs> and all of that, because I mean, there are some really, really interesting tidbits in there. Um, I mean, I, I think it's just, it's really fascinating sort of the, um, sort of the reasonings a lot of these, a lot of these pirates had, you know, like, like their incentive wasn't, you know, financial gain, or at least, you know, like, I, I think for Glover, like, I think it partially was uh, when it came to like his own 
sort of bootlegging side operation that he did with like DVDs and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but just to see them be like it, like it, it, it felt like, like, like anarchism, like, like political anarchism in a way, or like, like a anarcho capitalism, you know, where it was just like so, like fuck the man in a way. Yeah. That it, it was just like by you know by any means necessary, <laughs> and so but but it's just interesting that like you have these people deliberately breaking the law for nothing more than kind of the thrill of it in a way or or just to kind of stick it to 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 the man you know like it it, it just felt like it you, you don't see that a lot like you know it's so easy to think you know cynically which uh more on that in a little bit <laughs> i'm being i'm being cynical but um yeah like like just to sort of hear about you know sort of what del glover was was kind of you know doing when he sort of got into the scene and like you know i think his friend dockery you know sort of introduced him to Kali, who was you know part of um was a rabid neurosis like rns and um you know just that like that whole like like i mean it, it's a scene it's it's a community of of people it's like one of the first you know early internet communities in, in a way um it's just interesting just really cool to see sort of how they put all this like this entire organization together but what's more than that is, is like how it how it actually stayed together and like it only ended by their own volition and then you know like it was it was only them coming back that got them kicked at like that that got them caught <laughs> which is which is a very like crime you know like uh crime true crime yeah. story move that's like oh you, you have to return the scene of the crime yeah. right <laughs> <laughs> no, and I thought it was interesting, um, you know, I mean, again, uh, the the whole, like, the story, like, how it unraveled, I mean, that was, you know, fascinating in its own right, but I think the larger question that, you know, Stephen Witt poses is, I, I mean, like, piracy is often talked about as, you know, like, file sharing, and I guess, naively, or, you know, kind of shared the, the thought that Stephen Witt had, you know, when he talked about you know, where did all this come from? And I, I think that was, yeah. you know, I probably had the same thought if I really, you know, put my mind to it, that just over time, you know, every <laughs> every possible album you could think of, someone decided to upload it. But I guess, you know, the idea of it being a coordinated effort actually makes a lot more sense. Uh, and also in like the yeah. early days, the idea that it would actually come from, you know, ripping CDs, I guess, is another thing I never actually thought about either i mean I, I just i think it's it's fascinating the the coordinated effort kind of like you're talking about that that you know to yeah to really think about like what that entailed and i yeah i i think on the other side of this though you know he also talks about um oink's pink palace um and that like that might actually be even more interesting than like rns to or at least it was to me because you know you had these people doing like you know BitTorrent, but they were also like you know like record snobs you know and it's and just you know with describing how um what was his name alice um who uh started oinks oinks pink palace um you know i how he wound up listening to just 
a ton of music and becoming a really big music fan as a result of his piracy. Uh, which is like I I feel like most of the, it's probably the opposite of most people's experience with piracy and with just I think digital streaming in general. No, um, and that's something that I've always found interesting. And I remember as part of my my thesis, I basically you know streaming has kind of had a net neutral impact in in relation to piracy because yeah it's it's deferring people from pirating because they can stream instead but it's not exactly it's not really replacing the you know because because we can't i mean that's the core thing about you know piracy and like trying to solve it with like spotify apple music or i guess some people title uh <laughs> but yeah. it's, it's just <laughs> all, yeah, I, all five. I know, but <laughs> it's just that you can't you can't replace like if you if you just look at how much someone pays for spotify versus how much they you know comparable person you know several decades ago would have paid for cds and records you just can't you can't replace that that's not that's not replicable um mm. so i think that is interesting that people often would say like oh yeah i pirate i mean this is this is one of my arguments it's like oh yeah i pirate music but you know i'll i'll buy their merch at the show because they you know that's how artists get money which i mean is true they get more money from you know merch sales and you actually go in to see them play live but like are you gonna go like what, what kind of a what kind of a business model like personal business model is that like you won't buy a ten dollar cd but you'll spend you know 20 30 bucks and then 20 30 extra bucks to buy a ticket and then buy a shirt um so i just think it's interesting the way and then of course there are other people who don't rationalize pirating at all they're just like hey the i it's free i, I like free get get you know <laughs> give music want now like it's just it's you know other people will say like hey it's you know i'm just using it to uh and this is something that um i don't want to say because i think i mean this is a, an historical account and obviously you know time marches forward but something i thought about a lot you know while reading this and i guess just you know the the theme of piracy in, in general i mean obviously it's still a thing like i i have no doubts that people still pirate music but is it really still, like, a thing anymore? Like, I feel like it's not... It seems like everyone's just kind of come to terms with, you know, the industry, musicians, they've come to terms with it. And now, you know, everyone, now that streaming has really kicked into full gear, um, that's what draws everyone's ire. But I just, the more I thought about it, the more I'm like, do people even really pirate anymore? Um, oh, yeah. I mean, I, I, I think they do. But, yeah, it's, it's nowhere near what it used to be. But I think it's because, you know, I and, you know, to kind of backtrack slightly... You know, you mentioned sort of, you know, like that sort of skewed mentality of, oh, I'll, I'll spend 20 bucks, 30 bucks on a T-shirt as opposed to not even spending 10 bucks on a CD uh, and still feel like I'm supporting these people. You know, like it, like sort of that thing, you know, I, I, I feel like that's a real I think that's something that's been solved, but also sort of a bigger issue has been made as a result of, you know, sort of the advent of streaming. Um you know, just with like, because I, I think part of the reason that, you know, you would hesitate to buy uh, music would be like, you want to hear it first, you know, and not just hear it on the radio. And I think, you know, if we're talking about something like metal, you know, you that doesn't get a lot of radio time. And so, you know, your, your best bet is like, okay, you know, maybe a single from MySpace or like, you know, if you're lucky, if they have the whole album and, you know, mind you, like 
once Facebook comes around, MySpace is just completely irrelevant. Mm-hmm. So it's like, what do you do then? And it's like, you know, you're not quite at the point where they talk about Vivo, which we'll, we'll, we'll get to that, you know. And so it, it, it's like, what do you do? And so, you, you know, piracy almost makes sense there. But now it it, it doesn't. I, I, I think, you know, just I, I think part of the reason piracy doesn't just feel as relevant anymore is because, like, it's not exactly that it isn't there. It's just like there's no incentive to do it. You know, it's not, and again, not not to say that it isn't done because I mean it, it very much is. It's just, you know, like, yeah. I mean, I I so you have like the first edition of the book, right? Mm-hmm. I'm assuming, yeah. uh, because I have the newest edition of it and uh, it has like a little afterward from um, one of I think it was the original leader of RNS. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't remember his name now. Um, his his nickname. Oh, it was, it was Al Capone. That's who it was. Um, and literally the uh the, the it, it's an afterword and Stephen Witt just it's very you know casual as him in like the first person talking about meeting with this person who went by the name of Al Capone and how he's like this successful you know IT security expert or something like that now um and he the the, the final words of it are just like you know I actually you know what let, let me see if I can find it because I just found it so funny like yeah it says um uh, you know, teenagers growing up today couldn't do what they had done. The blunders of the music industry were now a required business school case study, and everyone had learned the lesson. As users moved from the desktop to the smartphone, the rights holders had successfully lobbied for a controlled and entirely corporate environment. Subscription media were beginning to dominate the internet, and the golden age of online piracy was coming to an end. If this bothered Capone at all, he didn't show it. Alone among the pirates I talked to, he'd made peace with his anarchic past. He'd walked out of his mom's basement into the corporate world without dropping a step. As we settled our tab at the bar, I tried to pique his interest in the contemporary world of online piracy. Private trackers, seed boxes, NZBs, VPNs. Capone smiled, but dismissed the entire enterprise with a flick of the hand. You could do that, I suppose, said the former pirate kingpin. Or you could do what I do, pay nine bucks a month for Spotify like everyone else. Yeah. No, and I think that's, I mean, you talk about, you know, the, all, all the hard drives. Or, you know, I, I mentioned earlier this, the, um, I mean, obviously once I had the iPod Classic, it wasn't really an issue, I don't think. But, uh, yeah. you know, just trying to figure out, like, what, what songs do you want? <laughs> like, what songs can you fit in the space? You know, I think at this point, it probably, probably would be a hassle for people. To, like for the average person to, to pirate, you know, hey, I, I pay X amount per month and I just open up my phone and there it is. You know, I don't have to worry about where I'm storing it. I'm like, oh, is this? I mean, there, there are times where I would, you know, I'd rip a CD and then, you know, I, uh, for whatever reason, like I didn't get a chance to like, up, you know, actually upload to my iPod. And it's like, oh, okay, well now, like I, I don't actually have that. You know, I can't actually listen to that. So yeah. It's, it is interesting. Yeah, now. I mean, it, it, I mean, not even to mention the legality of it. It's like, you, oh, I don't have to worry about the FD, FBI fucking busting into my house. <laughs> yeah, and, and I think that was interesting. Um, like yeah, we, I, 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 I guess that kind of brings us over to to talking about that side of things. Yeah. The sort of Doug Morris and the whole corporate mm-hmm. side of music piracy. But what were you going to say? I was just going to say that, uh, I mean, even, you know, like we used to rip CDs from the library. I feel like that's a, that's yeah. a really... 
that's like the grayest of gray areas because technically, you know, like yeah. someone's paying t- like, you know, property taxes to fund the library. Is it paid for? Uh, I mean, even like when we would lend CDs to each other, was that, I mean, technically that's a form of piracy in a way. I mean, you know, you know, someone yeah. paid it for it at some point, but it means that, you know, you, you didn't pay for the, the CDs you borrowed from me and vice versa. So, um, yeah, I mean, th- I think that's like, you know, I always viewed that more as like, you know what, it, it, it's like between one and two people that I'm sharing. It's not like I'm going straight to like Pirate Bay and just like uploading mm-hmm. it, you know, I, and so I always consider that different, even though it really isn't in a yeah. sense. Um, but I mean, I, I would say on top of that, I mean, that that's another reason that I stopped doing that stuff is just like, I, I never listened to those mm. CDs. And it was like, as, as much as I loved doing it, you know, like, and I think part of it was just like, we got to just kind of nerd out in like your parents' kitchen for like just hours and hours, yeah. uh, you know, but like, I never, like, I, I feel like, I, I mean, I listened to some of it, but it was never like a massive thing, you know, like it, it wasn't like, I, I like, I definitely still don't have spindles of those. Like the, those things are long gone in my mind. Um, yeah. <laughs> so I guess um, I guess we can kind of move on to you know, so the other narrative here, which is talking about sort of Doug Morris's rise and fall as um, you know corporate uh, CEO, you know, of, in charge of uh, you know I think originally it was what, Atlantic, and then uh, eventually it became uh, Warner, uh, and then I think Universal Universal Media, um, which. Yeah, th- th- this is where I talk about being a cynical dick. Okay. Because, so, <laughs> man, let me tell you, like, if you want to feel like corporatocracy, like our corporatocracy that we live in right now is just actively, like, evil in fundamentally every sense of the word, all you have to do is just read this book. <laughs> like, because, like, just learning about Doug Morris... And just the fact that, like, he would just keep setting up these golden parachutes for himself and how he'd just be, like, making, you know, what was it, like, between 10 and $50 million a year. Uh, where even during the fact that he was uh, cutting, like, half of his employees, uh, you know, in a fiscal year mm-hmm. <laughs> and, like, not paying his artists, like, at all, you know. And, like, I mean, he, he technically has a he has an excuse for that, even though it's kind of shitty but you know I, I like the entire time i'm just like what a piece of shit yeah. <laughs> like what a fucking asshole like like i i got like so mad during some of this because i'm just like like see this is what i'm talking about like and you know i i mean in my notes that that was a big thing that i i just kept finding hilarious is just like the music in like, like you know i i feel like the music industry is where it is right now as a result of its own greed, like, and its own inability to change, you know, like <laughs> all Doug Morris tried to do was just like, you know, keep the status quo. And, uh, as a result, he fucked up really badly mm-hmm. <laughs> and he basically just brought everybody into this shitty place, you know, along with them, even like, you know, and if, if he had done things even like mildly differently, you know, the, like we would be in such a different place right now when it comes to like the overall landscape of the music industry. <laughs> it's just, it's just amazing. Like, and I mean, I, I get it. Like hindsight's twenty twenty, but like, 
you know, I, I this this is something I know I noticed time and time again with like, you know, uh, sort of these big corporations and these big industries. You know, you look at the film industry, look at, you know, uh, the tech, you know, did, just look at the company like Apple that, you know, they used to command trends. They used to set the trends and now all they do is follow them. And it's, you know, it all comes down to just, I think, greed. And it comes down to the fact that they, you know, don't want things to change. You know, once you're in a comfortable position, you you don't want to move out of that. And it's like, I, I get it. But it's like, at the same time, you know, change is such a fundamental part of life that, you know, your failure to embrace it will only result in, in your in just crashing and burning. You know, there's just like no other option. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's interesting how, um, you know, he, he kind of, uh, he kind of read the tea leaves on, on hip hop in a way. And I think like a good example, you know, the full circle, I think is someone like ASAP, ASAP Rocky, like his first mixtape, and this is true of a bunch of rappers, was released for free. Mm. And then after that, he totally blew up. So I think that, you know... In some ways, I mean, the, the... well, but well, to, to be fair, part of the reason, and I think Wit actually talks about this in the book, is part of the reason mixtapes were released for free is because a lot of them use copyrighted material. Well, yeah, that that's also that's also fair. Um, yeah, but actually, there was a I was listening to a few different clips on YouTube, you know, from different podcasts or whatever. Um, there was one that oddly enough was released. I think earlier this year that he, I mean, it was a, looked like a relatively small podcast and I was, I checked that out just because of what I said earlier, just, I was curious if any of his thoughts had changed or whatever. Um, and were we talking about ASAP no, Rocky uh, or uh, Stephen Wood, Sorry. Uh, yeah, that was, that was, oh, not, okay. uh, but I think the interviewer asked him, you know, like what could any of the, anyone in the industry have done differently to, to save things. And he said nothing. Honestly, I mean, it's kind of like what I said earlier is that I mean, you can't, you can't stop the march of progress. You know, it's like, yeah, uh, you know, what could, uh, you know, lamp lighters in like the 1800s, like what could we have done to save their jobs once electricity was, you know, was a thing like nothing. It's just, that's what happens. And I think that ultimately, I mean, I, 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 but I, 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 I guess though that like the, like a lamplighter, like, you know, that I, I think that that's like an obsolete profession as opposed to like i i feel like you know i was thinking about this too it's like as 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 much as i hate the music industry and sort of sort of the disgusting parts of it and the fact that it's extremely exploitative not only to artists but also to the people who kind of make everything happen you know it's mostly just a few of these very very rich people just making themselves even richer Mm -hmm. off the backs of others you know it's and uh, my i guess my my point is just that like it there's more to like, like I, I I think if if those executives had just paid their employees you know well and made sure that their artists actually had rights you know I feel like things would be in a much different place but maybe, maybe that's just me trying to kind of read into it more. no I totally get where you're coming from and I think because this isn't the first place where I've read um kind of going about the the, the uh, sussing out the trend that they just everyone like vastly underestimated you know that mm. uh, 
you know, this was going to catch on, like, you know, and (laughs) that whole internet. Yeah, exactly. The internet was going to catch on. I'm trying to think what else, uh, there was something non music related. I read where like they didn't, I I, I forget, but in any case, um, it's just, it's interesting to me because obviously, you know, hindsight's 2020, I grew up in a, you know, pretty, what do they call it? Like a, a, I'm a digital native that obviously I'm so used to the internet, but I, I kind of don't get why they didn't think it would be a thing. Like, I don't like, I just like, even though you, again, don't, I mean, it's, it's literally our version of the printing press. Yeah. Like, obviously you're right. Like you said, they don't want to disrupt the status quo. You know, like this has been working for whatever, but I don't, I mean, when you think about it, like when you pitch like, Hey, instead of having this whole collection, physical collection of media, you can own all this, you know, a fraction of the space, just in a, in a device or whatever. Like when you kind of pitch the way that things have progressed, doesn't that just fundamentally sound better? Like I just, I, like, how would you, I mean, it was kind of something, uh, when you're talking about the development of the, um, uh, their names are German. So I get them mixed up, but just, yeah, but, it's Brandon yeah, but like uh, who, who did yeah, but, the, but like, the argument was that like, yeah, like talking about like computing capacity and whatnot, but I think he he nailed it where uh, he kind of was a metaphor for this whole kind of this whole phenomenon. But just you know, computers are going to get better. He, he said like like this. Yeah, it's it's called more. Yeah, law. exactly. Thank you. Yeah. Like, but you know, this is you know, this might be a problem now, but the benefits are going to remain, and that eventually the, the you know the issues of your computing you know capacity are not going to you know they're they're going to diminish over time. Uh, I feel like it's kind yeah. of the same thing with the general trend is that like, yeah, you know, this is new or people really going to, you know, become, you know, get on the computer or whatever they, you know, at one point computers are too expensive and they took a path to room or whatever. But like over time, like once people figure it out and, and spoiler alert, they did, um, it's how could the vast majority of people not pick that over, you know, a huge vinyl collection. And again, you know, obviously we're, yeah. we're, we're I'm a weird person to be making that argument because I have, I actually need to buy another bookshelf for all my CDs. So, um, but yeah, it's just, it's, it's interesting, uh, especially because that's the whole that's the whole deal with. You know, I, I know you can, you know, the major labels have as much of a impact in setting musical trends as you know, as the artists themselves. Arguably, more, much more so. But st- you know, still, it's they have to make gambles. They have to make bets. Like not everything works like one of my favorite examples and i'll this is i'll do a quick segue is you know the song september by earth wind and fire yes i mean that's a one of the most well beloved american songs of the last several decades i i i know you were going with this too oh i'm curious well i think because it's not it was never released as an official exactly even though it's it's one of their it's probably, it's probably their signature yeah, song. Yeah, it was it was included just as like a you know a lot of times greatest hits they'll include like a special like a lot a lot of bands do this where they'll like one extra bonus track along with you know a bunch of their greatest hits and yeah it's become their biggest song and so th- I mean I don't know how long they recorded that and they were sitting on it but it's so interesting that it just was released as like oh this is a fun little thing for fans and suddenly it's like one of the most beloved disco songs ever um, it's, it's, it's like some, sometimes people like sometimes even the artists don't know it yeah. like you know like um there, there's that story that um super freak was was just like a throwaway track that rick james just like you know tossed in to the mix of his of that album street songs uh you know that 
because it was just like oh we need like another track basically and like they just listened to it and they're like like fuck you that like that, that that's a hit right there yeah <laughs> like yeah I mean, it definitely, like, like you know, the music industry is definitely taking a gamble because you know you're trying to anticipate audience reaction to things. Which I mean, you know, you got to hand it to Morris. You know, he knew how to kind of read that information really well. Um, you know, and he would go to straight to the source as best as he could to kind of get an idea for what people liked. Um, but you know, I at the same time, like, I think it's taking risks. You know, that, you know, like that, that's literally the meaning of entrepreneurial, like, you know, entrepreneurialism, you know, is, is taking financial risks on things and hoping for a bigger payoff. Whereas right now, it feels like every major creative industry uh, is full of these executives who just want to take advantage of what's already there just to keep the numbers, you know, just to sort of like, what's the bare minimum asses in seats for our movie? Okay, let's let's do a reboot of, of this IP then. You know, like it's not it's not about doing something new. It's about rehashing the old. And the thing is, if you keep rehashing the old, people are just gonna get bored. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but a- anyway, I mean, it's I oh I I also I actually I was I was thinking about this when you were talking about um, sort of you know just the idea that you know why why pay you know this money for for vinyl or what have you when you could just pay 99 cents for an itunes um song you know and <laughs> i think it's funny that like he you know I, I don't know if you caught this but there's this section where wit mentions that um cd prices actually rose during their peak season like their, their peak years mm-hmm. um even though they didn't need to basically <laughs> And it literally, it, it wasn't a matter of like not enough supply. It was just complete greed. And it's like, again, it, it's like a real, real obvious case of shooting yourself in the foot, you know, because you, you like, you know, I think th- this is what I like. I, I often think about this when I think about Moore's law, which is sounds so pretentious that I think about Moore's law on a regular basis, <laughs> but I, I actually do um, weirdly enough, but you know, like I, a side effect of Moore's law is that, if you can build something with more computing power, you know, you can either make it smaller so, you know, it can run more with less or you can keep it the same amount, like the same size and make it cheaper. Mm-hmm. And uh, the same thing is very applicable to CDs, you know, at least in, in this case is that, you know, it's very easy to make those. And so it's even easier when you buy all these different pressing blades when you buy polygram and buy all of their cd pressing plants you know it becomes instantly easier and cheaper you know and so it would make sense and probably almost be better for your bottom line to actually reduce the price uh, because you would have way more sales that way you know which in, in you know would kind of create like a kind of a feedback loop but you know nope <laughs> don't do it <laughs> But I, I think it's interesting to also put in uh, sort of, I, you know, because Witt talks about this very briefly, too, that, um, you know, the, that for a time, you know, the numbers basically show that, you know, um, Napster actually, like, incentivized music sales. <laughs> like, you know, that, that it actually, like, helped music sales at, at a certain point, which is just so weird to think about. 
Uh, but then also kind of like that those those two lawsuits that they had going mm-hmm. with um, uh, the, the Diamond MP3 player uh, and then versus Napster. And just basically, like, you know, how he en- he ends that one chapter saying, like, basically the music industry, like, like won the wrong suit. Mm-hmm. No, no. Which is, again, just so fascinating. No, and it, it, it's interesting um, because oh, I, I have two dueling thoughts. I'm trying to figure out which one to... Say first, I, I, I guess the the one that comes top of mind that you said earlier, um, I, I, uh, before it leaves me, I, I've been wanting to suggest a uh, another like hot takes episode or like unpopular music opinions episode, but this fits in too <laughs> well. Um, I kind of don't, and like this is one of those where I kind of disagree with myself, but it's one of those just you know thoughts in the id that I have. I don't really think owning digital music counts and again i know like i could i could you know i could discredit (laughs) myself a number of different ways i don't know if i actually believe that but i mean i guess to put it like in a more you know more positive wording i mean i think there's a reason i collect physical media because i actually feel like i own something like i actually feel like i own Mm. the album you know like that's why i used to do cds vinyl and digital and i stopped doing that just because like, I can literally go over and, and pick out a CD or pick out a vinyl and put it on. And, like, you know, obviously I can do the same thing with, you know, I can still play the music that I purchased digitally, but just why? Like, I just, it just doesn't feel yeah. real. I know, like, it literally is real, you know, again, time time marches on. You know, at a certain point, you can only hear music by going to see it played live. You know, you could say, oh, the CD doesn't really count. You have to experience it. Or, like, the, you know, the tape doesn't count. You have to experience it live. So, you know, time marches on, like I said. Yeah, I I totally get what you're saying. You know, I and and I also get sort of your apprehension too, sort of yeah. with it because it it definitely Just cause like I don't I don't want to sound like a like yeah. a caveman. You know, and, and obviously how, <laughs> like, there I know plenty of serious, um, you know, serious musical folks, but who who you know who collect music digitally. So I don't I don't think it's totally fair um yeah but at the same time i mean i i I know too like you know when i was in grad school you know i you know there was no way i could bring you know 600 cds with me you know for you know just a little stint and in school like that that made no sense you know just from a logistics point of view so like you know i i got by through that time listening to all of the like all basically the digital like ripped versions of my cds um you know, it like I would just like wake up and just write to like a random Zorn album like every day. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it, it like it's definitely not my favorite way to do it. But like, you know, I, 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 I get where you're coming from. I guess is is all I'm trying to say. Mm-hmm. Is you know, I, I, I think just sometimes it's it's a matter of um, circumstance. You know, as much, but it definitely like you know it's. I mean, I, I don't know how long you kind of want to go down this this line of reasoning but you know a a big thing you know for me you know making music you know is i mean a lot of people are going through this right now because it's kind of this renaissance of people getting tired of using ableton and you know logic and things like that of like using these digital audio workstations and wanting to go back to hardware and like that's the same thing for me is because like it it it, it's just it there's so much it's so different like it, it and it feels real as opposed to just kind of like okay, like I, I'm just kind of going along with my trackpad and just adding a track here and looping this for a minute. And, you know, 
and doing this as opposed to like physically playing what you're recording mm-hmm. um it's you know it, it it's definitely a um it's a topic that's that's worth discussing more for mm-hmm. sure um i i, I guess if you kind of want to move on from this kind of talk about our our third little thread that kind of wove its way through the story which was um sort of brandenburg's story and sort of the story of the mp3 uh which was you know kind of a, a almost like similar to um you know doug morris's story in in a lot of ways because it's just like you know uh an example of of someone you know like of basically that that like time time progresses time marches on you know mm-hmm. and like no ma- no matter what you try to do to discredit someone else's technology or you know um trying to make something worse you know in terms of technology like you know it- it'll just you know <laughs> like i i guess it's like um that that for you know th- this too shall pass mm-hmm. um but which i mean i i love you but i felt like that that was such a shitty thing for phillips to do basically was to you know to 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 basically just make your rival's technology obsolete you know th- but 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 through direct intervention not through like your own purposeful in- like innovation for your own product mm-hmm. which is just like so disgusting you know again it's it like i i i really enjoyed reading this book but like it's really hard not to come out just being like yeah like uh i want to just do a Thoreau right now <laughs> and just go live in the fucking woods because you people make me want to puke. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, no, totally. I get what you're saying for sure. <laughs> it was also interesting. The, um, like, I guess I never, I guess it makes sense, but I just never thought about the, just kind of the very procedural nature, like having like little, almost like little talent shows, like little, you know, like a sci- like a science yeah. fair. It was so, it was so interesting that they, you know, just like it was almost—I mean, it literally what? was a competition. But like, oh, he's—you know—he's ahead. You know, he's this team's ahead. You know, so it, it's uh, it's interesting how that played out. Um, what, what what I found really maybe probably the most fascinating about everything that I read in this book is is sort of this the notion of of you know sort of standardization when it comes to technology. Um, and just how, like, just how little talked about it mm-hmm. is in some ways. Like, I mean, I, I did not even think of this being a thing that like, you know, the MP3 has to go through and be accredited essentially, uh, by, you know, but by, for some reason, the MPEG yeah. <laughs> you know, of, of like all fucking places, um, you know, it, it's, it's just interesting to see that like all of these standards are kind of done like in the shadows and we don't really know about them until it's kind of like after the fact, mm-hmm. you know, and, we, and I, what I think is more interesting though, is that with the advent of the internet, that is like slowly being dismantled, mm-hmm. you know, like we have all these different file types now, you know, that are just like, it, it doesn't even matter if, you know, they, they don't even need accreditation, you know, like you can have, um, you know, if, if you build your own program on a computer and you can just basically create your own file type, mm. you know, like Adobe has, you know, uh, .psd for, for uh, Photoshop, you know, and like AI, .ai for Illustrator, you know, things like that. And it's just like the, the standards are just 
just completely like at least when it comes to sort of the way they they get proliferated and or I, I guess uh, disseminated to the rest of the world it's just completely democratized mm-hmm. now you know it, it's just really interesting to kind of see um sort of like, like just you know again like, like it, it, it kind of reminds me of the dark web in a way that it's just like this very shadowy thing that winds up having like a profound effect on our culture and like on our society as a whole um and yet it's so just ignored by the general populace mm-hmm. um yeah it just it, you know m- makes you think you know if, if 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 i was more um into conspiracy theories you know <laughs> i I'd, I'd be looking for some aluminum foil to make a hat because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, the mpeg are coming out to, to you know to 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 take our children or something <laughs> <laughs> convert our children to mp3s <laughs> Oh man! I, I guess I guess it would be like flack now, right? Yeah. That's... Um, <laughs> which I I never got because you know I guess you could talk about yeah you know, I I know it's like higher quality, but I remember I downloaded a flack file from someone at some or like from not so you know like an artist, and it was just enormous. Like it was just so it was just so much space. Yeah. And I'm not. I'm I mean, not... And, and it's still compressed. That's the thing. It's like a, the the only uncompressed file that you. I mean, I. I, I, no, actually, I think Flack is uncompressed, but but Wave is like the way to like it's like the ultimate in like uncompressed media. But yeah, I I I think part of the reason you can't really hear the difference. I think you know, and Wit talks about this, you know, and and coincidentally, um, kind of shows up Milner, <laughs> you know, unintentionally. That basically like the science proves that nobody can actually hear the difference, can actually hear the information that's lost in an MP3. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um. But I think part of the reason it doesn't sound different, too, is because, you know, you know, it, it, I think it, it it's kind of like vinyl. Like, it depends on the equipment that you're using to listen to it. Yeah, no, and I it definitely, you know, like the headphones, whatever, you know, I don't have the nicest headphones, I'm sure, if I really invested. But um, I don't know, I just, it, it, at a certain point, I just feel like, I mean, that, that was always one of the games when you download music legally. It's just, is this, uh, like, what are you going to get? Like, I know there are viruses or, like, you know, the tracks are out of order. Or like, they're, you know, it's not recorded really well. Sounds kind of different. But at the end of the day, I didn't, like, I don't can't say I really cared. You know, I just, I wanted to listen to those songs yeah. and that artist. So ultimately, you know, I mean, I, I feel like that's, That's just, that's just not like it's it's a concern that doesn't really speak to the way that most people listen to music. Like obviously they they don't yeah. want like people are going to notice if it sounds like egregiously bad or if the sound quality is just like unintelligible. Sure, but most people are not. Most people just want to hear the song as long as it sounds good and as long as it sounds fine. That's all that matters. Yeah, for sure. I'm in, I'm in I'm in agreement. You know, I and I think. Wit pretty much said the same thing in the book is that like people just you know it's it's not a huge concern for people you know but within you know limitations you know within just you know the the extremities of like lo-fi digital you know something being completely broken which you know i'm sure i came across a couple of those when when i pirated very briefly so (laughs) (laughs) um yeah, I mean, Brandenburg's 
um, sort of narrative was probably, I don't know, for me, it was probably the least interesting in some regards, just because it, a lot of it was just, you know, I, I think the most most interesting part was like kind of the beginning, sort of the advent of the MP3 and sort of its eventual, you know, supremacy. But then just kind of like for like the rest of the book, it just kind of shows up from time to time. And it's just like, oh, yeah, this is still a thing. Brandenburg's still being rich. You know, he's got his own, you know, shit going on and he's still against music piracy and, you know, <laughs> et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but it just felt like, oh, OK, like, a, like, a, I mean, I, I, I can't think of a better metaphor, but it feels like it kind of like blew its load too early. <laughs> yeah. Again, uh, but uh, metaphors uh, fail me in this instance. <laughs> But yeah, I, overall, I, I really, I mean, I, I enjoyed this a lot. It was just a nice, fun read. Um, you know, it didn't feel like it was the serious thing, even though, you know, obviously a lot of it, you know, had some serious implications in their own ways. But, you know, it was just a really good overview of this topic, um, you know, and it got me really fascinated with, you know, hacking and um, just computer science in general and so I'm, I'm actually looking into like you know trying to learn more about like the dark web and things like that mm. um you know who, who knows where that'll bring me I but <laughs> just yeah you know I, I'm, I'm just gonna I'm, I'm gonna be like taking Liam Neeson style you yeah. know <laughs> just disappear <laughs> um anyway but yeah so I I yeah any, uh, any final thoughts on your no, own just, just glad that we finally uh or rather I finally check this out i think it was a uh it was long overdue um you know again it's been sitting on my shelf for a while but again this is kind of the perfect form to talk about it so i guess yeah. i'm glad we read it and now for sure as always it's time for albums of the week and i'm, I'm excited to yes. talk about mine but why don't you kick us off okay yeah um yeah so i i mean i bought uh as as you know, I just bought just a, a fuck ton of music <laughs> over like the last like two or three weeks. Uh, I finally got I think the last of it into. I, actually, I think I have one more thing out there that I might cancel. I don't know, but um, I finally got around to listening to this. Uh, it's an album I've wanted to buy for a while now, but I just never saw it in stores, and so uh, I just decided to go for it. And it's uh, the self-titled Cards album oh. by, by the band yeah. The Cars. Yeah. Um, part of the reason I've been so hesitant in buying it online is because on Bull Moose, they have it, uh, for some reason, it's it, like the editions are like merged with uh, the soundtrack to the Pixar movie Cars. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. that's so, amazing. I'm like, <laughs> like do, do I want to let the good times roll or do I want to like sing about how life is a highway? You know, and I'm like, I don't know. That is hilarious. <laughs> Yeah, but yeah, I I mean I really love this album. Uh, I, I mean every track is just great on this thing, um, you know. And some of them just have like their own little mood to them that I just really love. I mean, you know, just what I needed has like this sort of melancholiness to it. Is I, I I mean maybe maybe I'm the only one who feels like that, but it just has like this like bittersweetness to it that it's like oh like you know it kind of feels like oh we're only going to be teenagers for so long almost. Um, that, that's what's always said to me, mm. but you know, and then I don't know, just just great tracks all along, and then you know, it just some of them can be cheesy. I mean, like "Don't You Stop" is is um is 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 
not um, not one of the better songs on the, on the on the album, but it's still it's still like enjoyable mm. in its own way. Uh, but then you have something like Moving in Stereo, which I, I mean I don't know about you, but I just I always think about um, that scene from Fast Times at Richmond High. Oh yeah, <laughs> now yeah. so yeah. Oh man, yeah, but. Um, yeah, I was just right. I also the, there's. I don't know if you've ever have you ever looked at the um, the lyrics for "Moving in Stereo." Uh, no, I don't think I have. Because it, it is like there are some interesting little lyrics there. I, I had them written down because I just found them so interesting. It's it's so easy to blow up your problems. It's so easy to play up your breakdown. It's so easy to fly through a window. It's so easy to fool with the sound. And I'm like, I love. I love that. Like, I I love that. The, there's just like this surrealness to it that I love. Like, yeah. Um, anyway, so yeah, the the self-titled Cars album. You know, uh, total dad pick, nonetheless. Great album. I don't I don't know if you'll I don't know if this will make sense to you, but uh, I I'll... I mean it, it's it, if if we're talking about three dollar bill y'all this week I'm. I'm just so no, pumped, man. <laughs> I was gonna, I was gonna make a joke and say, uh, did you accidentally get a copy of uh, *Evil Empire* but *Rage Against the Machine* instead? Um, because in in college I ordered that album and actually instead, like it was still it was the CD case, but it had uh, the Cars Greatest Hits instead. Like that, that was what the CD was. I uh, thankfully it was only I think I was only like at most three or four dollars, so it wasn't like a huge loss. But I was like, wow, that really sucks. Uh, I, I'm surprised you didn't like bring it back. Oh, I ordered it off Amazon, so uh, it's still. But I don't know. Just, I, it didn't because this is when I was at, at college, so I was like, like, can I even mail this? Do I have to get my post? I, I just was like, whatever. I'm just a generally lazy yeah. person. Um, yeah, I, I I get you. I mean, it's it's definitely not like you know, it's it's not worth you know getting all you know hopped up over three four bucks. Yeah, and uh, I actually didn't listen to a ton of the cars. My dad has all their all their CDs. Like um, they only have like three or four albums, I think. Okay, well he has he has those three then because I, I I know he has yeah. multiple car CDs, which is it, 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 you know it feels like a it feels like a a Jim Murphy band. So yeah, they also do, I I didn't know this, but that that they're they're from Boston. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, little 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 thing. I mean, I I feel like that that should be an obvious I, I, thing, but I mean, I didn't know. <laughs> um, I'm looking this up now just to be sure. Oh, they they have more than I thought. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Um, yeah, I I only know um, Candio and and the self titled one, which Candio is the one that has like the uh, the pinup girl mm-hmm. on the uh, on like the car yeah. hood. Which is like I I, I I really like that album cover actually like there, there's just something like super iconic about it. Um, anyway, <laughs> I I I'm just imagining you just putting in that CD and just waiting for Bulls on Parade to start. Or no, I I think isn't it, I think Vietnam. No, People of the Sun is the first track off of Evil Empire. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, just just expecting like De La Roca just being like, let the good times roll. <laughs> 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 I mean, it's, it's close. Yeah, it's, it's close. In, it's, it's in the ballpark, sure. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's rock. Yeah. I I guess. Actually, I mean, like little little side note. Um, 
I can't like I, I don't like when people are like, oh yeah, Rage Against the Machine is like a funk metal band. It's like they are not. No, that's <laughs> like that's, that's... yeah, like it, 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 it's it's like saying Primus is a funk metal band. It's like yeah, like I I guess, but like it doesn't describe it right. Like and even like rap metal, I'm just like. Yeah, like Rage Against the Machine is just like their own thing. I don't know, like why, why, why can't they just be their own thing? Yeah, I I mean, obviously, like this, not not that Les Claypool always does slap bass, but uh, like that kind of bass style, sure. Like it's you can I can mm. see comparing it to funk, but like virtually nothing else about them really has anything to do with funk. So um, and I don't know, he doesn't. Taylor Orca doesn't. I mean, yes, he he raps, but not like I don't know. Like I, I feel like like Limp Biscuit is much like that's rap metal. That that's when I think of rap metal. Like he just kind of. I mean, like is he? Taylor uh, Orca like yells. You know, it's just he he kind of. It, it's it, 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 yeah. it's like a different different animal. Uh, so I get where you're coming from. Um, For sure. Speaking of the uh, pretty much the opposite of rap metal, uh, my <laughs> album of the week was uh, I actually really like this artist. For their, um, I think debut album, or at least it, it, it um, caught a lot of buzz several years ago. At this point, I think it was like twenty fifteen. Um, I'm not sure, but in any case, I knew that they had a group before, or like they had a you know a project before then that got a lot of steam, and this is probably their you know most well-regarded album and i'm glad i checked it out because it is fantastic and it is i am a bird now by anthony and the johnsons um she, Why does that otherwise sound known as andoni so she released um oh. uh i think hopelessness yeah. yeah which was produced by 106 point never by the way that makes a lot of sense i actually i genuinely didn't know that but yeah hope i i, I think yeah. that's right uh, Actually, I, I just clicked through and it says, yeah, it, it, uh, co-production okay. for Hudson Mohawk and 106.0 Never. I haven't thought, I haven't heard the yeah. name Hudson Mohawk in a while, but... Oh, and, man, yeah, he's still doing yeah, shit, but yeah, but I, 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 I miss yeah. Hudson Mohawk. <laughs> um, but Hopelessness was, I mean, it was fantastic. I, I, I loved it. She she has such a... Um, I think some of the political commentary was a little... Like, some of it was done really creatively, other... You know, other lyrics were a little like, okay, that's a little on the nose. Um, yeah, I I think you just always run that yeah, risk like, when you're taking on social issues. Like the uh, there's a song called Global Warming that's like really, really, um, like really well done. But then I think there's another one um, about like you know drone bombs that's a little too. I don't think it works out. And then there's, no, there's another drone yeah, bombing. There's another, yeah, it's a little. I don't know. We don't need to get into it. <laughs> I wonder what that song's yeah, about. <laughs> like, I don't, obviously, we don't need to get into it. But uh, I, I, <laughs> I obviously I knew that you know this album was really well regarded, and I totally see why. So it just it is a beautiful collection of you know artsy baroque pop. You know, I mean, her vocals are very. They kind of fall in the Bjork camp, where um, thankfully this album is like thirty five minutes long, so it's not it doesn't overstay its welcome. She definitely has a good voice, but it's a little, it's, I guess I'll say distinct. So after a while, it might be a little, it might be a little much for some people. But it's aided by the fact that there are a ton of guest vocalists on this. I had no idea. 
And when I mean guest mode, yep, I'm, I'm looking at this yeah, right now. I'm like, like damn. N- not just like oh, like her contemporaries, but Boy George from obviously from Culture Club. Uh, Lou Reed uh, has a really good, um, you know, really nice feature. Um, there are a few other people that I don't know as well. Uh, Devandra Benhart, which is a really cool name, but I don't know much about much about him. Uh, and then a bunch of other uh, collaborators as well that. This is a really, really, really cool album. I, I, I thought it was... It's one of those... It had all the hallmarks of kind of the core genres that she was, you know, she's working in. But it, it had her own mm. flavor. Like, it, it didn't feel... Like, it didn't necessarily feel too experimental, but also it didn't feel conventional at all, if that makes sense. Um, yeah. I, I had a great time with this. Again, this is one of the albums I got at Red School for, like, 250 so... I was really, really excited, you know, not only that it was a good deal, but also this was definitely one of my favorites I got from uh, from that haul. Just an excellent, excellent album. Um, and it makes me want to do a Noni record. I, I was just thinking that, yeah, Hopelessness is her debut. She released an EP the following year, but it hasn't done anything since. I, I remember there being, uh, I think she started dropping singles lately, okay. if I remember correctly. All right, well, that excites um, me. Yeah, but I, I did, I mean, I, I, I feel like I still need to listen to Helplessness again, because I, I really didn't enjoy it uh, the first time, or I guess the, when I listened to it. Yeah, there are just a couple of those, those you know, albums that, like, you know, get a lot of really good acclaim, and I just, just does not work with me for some reason, just like, even though it, on paper, like, it looks like it'd be something I'd fuck with, but... No, uh, at some point, yeah. uh, because I mean, I, I do like Hudson Mohawk. I, I, I obviously I, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty okay with Mono to explain. Yeah, yeah. he's, he, he's just yeah. fine. Um, if you ask me, uh, <laughs> I was going to say, <laughs> actually, I, I, I don't want to keep this, but I, I, I was listening to the Uncut Gems, uh, score, uh, just, just before we recorded and, um, it's great, but it. For some reason, that in the good time score, um, for some reason he deigned it necessary to include audio clips from like the actual movie in the songs, in some of the songs, and I just I'm like, that that's just a really stupid decision. Yeah, that's <laughs> like, yeah. I don't know how I feel about that. Yeah, I mean, like I, like I I think of like the 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 soundtrack for Fight Club kind of did the same thing at a. Well, no, it, it did. It, there was like a remix at the end that kind of added, you know, a bunch of Brad Pitt's lines from the movie, but like that was it. Interesting. But like this is like consistently through the album. It's just like, hey, let, let's just include this little snippet. And it's like I, I just want to hear. I want to hear like Daniel like Lopatin or Lopatin. I I don't know which mm-hmm. one, but yeah, I know it's weird. But um, okay. But I I, I enough of me rambling. So. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Ivy, thanks for listening, and yes, we will catch you next week. All right. Well, have a good week. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening, guys. And uh, if you're interested, 
you know, if you want to hear more, just you know, listen to us on uh, iTunes, Pod, Apple Podcasts, Android Podcasts, anywhere you can get a podcast. Basically, uh, we are on all of it. Uh, if you follow us on Anchor, too, you know, whatever works for you. And uh, definitely be sure to follow us on Twitter. And if you ever have any suggestions, topics you want us to talk about, or questions, anything like that. Uh, be sure to email us. Yeah, uh, we're at, at Seishura Podcast on Twitter, and our email, I think, is Seishura Podcast at gmail.com. And uh, yeah, as always, thanks for listening. Yeah, appreciate it a lot. Bye.